This episode is brought to you by our Patreon page over at patreon.com slash gamezilla media. Which means this episode is brought to us by you. Right? That's how not it works. no, not me. No, no, the fan. Right, yeah. The yes. listener. We're talking when I say you, I mean the listeners. Yes, the the figurative you, right? Yes. But nobody else is in here with us as we record this. Who are I'm you lo- talking I'm about? I'm looking at the computer when I say it. Oh, oh. oh no. Alright. So just go to GameZilla Media on Patreon.com. There you'll be able to choose your patronage level and get different access to the shows. So you can get early access to the GameZilla Alpha. Exclusive content for The Legend of Retro and Noobs and Dragons. Noobs and Dragons? The show with that handsome devil, Craig WK? Well, almost all of those words were right. Yeah. And if you go on there and sign up, you can also get access to a private Discord channel in our Discord group. Basically, the more dollars you give us, the more things we can give you. Exactly. So go to patreon.com slash gamesillamedia and become a patron today. Do it. Yeah. Prepare yourselves for a journey through history. Get equipped for adventure. Grab your power gloves and super scopes, for it's dangerous to go alone. This is The Legend of Retro. Welcome, everybody, to this week's Legend of Retro podcast. It's a little bit of a different episode here for you. We have an interview with Patrick Higgy Jr., the author of The Minds Behind the Games, interviews with cult and classic video game developers. Now, this is a great book if you're looking for something to kind of get history on some of your favorite games from different developers, get a little bit of backstory and how they made their games, put all the sweat and tears into them. But we also, in this episode, talk about Patrick's motivations behind writing this book, what kind of things he was going to accomplish, as well as some other projects that he's working on. Now, we really hope you enjoy this episode. Go to patrickhickeyjr.com. You can purchase the book directly from him. He'll sign it for you. He'll probably put a little nice little 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 words in there for you. Um, but we do recommend you go out and you purchase his book. Leave him a review online. Any publicity you can get for this guy, do it because it's totally worth it. This book, if not it for you as a fan of video games, it has a ton of cultural significance. So enjoy this episode with Patrick Hickey Jr. <laughs> Welcome to this week's Legend of Retro podcast. This is Chops. And Craig WK. And today we have a very special guest. That's right. We have Mr. Patrick Hickey Jr., the author of The Minds Behind the Games, interviews with cult and classic video game developers. Welcome, Patrick. What's up, guys? Happy to be here. Hey, thanks for joining us. Yeah, it means a lot that you uh, joined us on the show here, uh, Patrick. Uh, We've uh, read some of your book there, and uh, we really liked it, and we knew that we had to bring you on here. Yeah, man, thank you so much. That's what it's all about. You know, uh, spent a lot of time interviewing a lot of these developers, and uh, it's written for you guys. So the fact that you're enjoying it, I mean, that's... That's what it's all about. I'm super stoked. I didn't see my name on that dedication. <laughs> For those retro fans, those retro enthusiasts, it's, oh, it's kind of like a combination between like the 30-something geek and then like the the 16-year-old that gets all their gaming information from Wikipedia. So this it's is supposed to like entertain, inform, and educate at the same time. This is a much better way for them to learn about video games on Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. Oh, There's yes. no filter there. Mm-hmm. Um, so... 
kind of we'll just start with you know tell us tell us a little bit about yourself. You know, we did some research here and uh, saw some of your work that you're a teacher uh, that you run a website. So maybe if you want to just kind of give us a quick background of you know your work right now and uh, what yeah, you're doing sure. right now. Sure, I am. Uh, I wear many hats. Um, I am the assistant director of the journalism program at Kingsborough Community College in Brooklyn, New York. I'm also a contributor to OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com. I am the founder and editor-in-chief of ReviewFix.com. I am a video game voice actor. I am a video game story editor. And I am, like you guys said, the author of the minds behind the games, interviews with Colton Classic video game developers. (laughs) (laughs) And, yeah, you said voice actor, so you must be doing a lot of fun stuff with your voice right now with, uh, with the different games that you're working on, right? Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. It's like I really started doing this around October of last year, and, uh, I'm in four games right now, so I'm That's super sweet. I'm super happy about how everything's happened, and it's it's basically all happened because of this book. So it's been it's been wild. That's awesome. Uh, as far as that goes, Patrick, I do want to ask, and if there are projects that are still being worked on and you can't talk about it, we totally get it. But uh, uh, are there any voices that you would be able to let us know about right now? Yeah, sure. Um, I am the voice of the main character in uh, Shotgun with Glitter's uh, point and click uh, adventure, The Padre. Um, I play Padre Alexander, and he's basically this uh, priest, this Catholic demon-hunting priest who's on the hunt for his mentor. And along the way, he gets stuck in this uh, haunted mansion, so to speak, and he's he's uh, trying to find out like the mystery of this house and find out what happened to his mentor at the same time. It's pretty wild. Um, the game's been in development for about a year. It's currently on Steam. There's a lot of other announcements going on that I'm not privy to announce yet, but uh, I started out as a story editor for that game, ironically. I found them on Twitter, mm-hmm. and um, I'm always on Twitter, always looking <laughs> for new in- indie games to support and looking for cool people to follow and stuff, and I saw this GIF, or GIF, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. of a uh, this voxelized, and if you guys don't know what voxel is, I'm sure you guys do, but people listening, it's it's basically Minecraft aesthetics um, of this, like, voxelized Minecraft-looking priest walking, and this tree yeah. just, like, hits him. <laughs> like, just, like, just, like, slaps him right across the face. And I'm just like, whoa, this is pretty cool. So I reached out to the developers, and uh, one of them, Benzel Holly, I'm super cool with now, and I said, how about I interview you? For reviewfix.com and he's like yeah sure so we did a Q&A and I found out a lot about the game so then he's like oh do you want to play it I was like one of the first people to ever play it nice. and uh, I noticed right away that um, I loved it <laughs> <laughs> I knew I'm like right right off the bat I'm like I grew up on um, you know games like Carmen San Diego and Maniac Mansion and stuff like that. In addition to like the NES and stuff like that, and you know Super Mario Brothers and RBI Baseball, Blade the Steel, all those fun games. But um, I noticed what they were trying to go for, and uh, the fact that they're from Hungary um, mm-hmm. kind of hurt them a little bit. So it's it's a point and click game, so it's text heavy. Yeah, and uh, so you need to have a, a stranglehold. On English, mm-hmm. sure. I'm an English professor. You fit right in, then. It's like magic. Yeah. So I was like, guys, if you want me to edit all of the dialogue in this game, I'm down. <laughs> well, and they're that's like, that's a lot of work to put on yourself. It really oh, yeah. is. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, we came up with you know a mutually beneficial agreement, you know, fiscally, emotionally, spiritually, mm-hmm. you know, the whole nine yards. And uh, 
holy crap, I'm doing it. So a couple of months go by and uh, they let me know that they, they want to they want this voice like completely voice acted and stuff and they have a voice actor and stuff. And right before we were about to go to Kickstarter to get some funds, the, the voice actor leaves. Oh, and, no. oh God. Yeah. He had like family issues and stuff like that. And uh, Craig, he had like your your kind of voice that's super friendly that super radio friendly, like awesome modulation and pitch type of voice, clear as day, you know, but you're playing a demon hunting Catholic priest stuck in a mansion. You've got to be a little dark, you know, that, that so, pretty much is Craig. <laughs> you, you don't know him in real life, but he, uh, oh he collects God, souls. So, whoa, 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 whoa. That's this, this isn't a, uh, uh, I'm not on trial here. This is an interview for Patrick. <laughs> okay, Are you Patrick? Okay. You continue. All right, all right? Sorry, sorry. Oh my God. So, so the voice actor leaves and they tell me, they're like, yeah, we don't have a voice actor. I'm like, I could do it. And they're like, what? I'm like, yeah, I could do it. So I go in my man cave and it's like, um, I've always been a big fan of Don LaFontaine. Mm, okay. And, and he's the man that does the movie voice. And he passed away a couple of years ago and movie trailers have never been the same. You know, so. Um, uh-huh. So I'm like, OK, but this guy is they're aiming for like an English priest. Oh. So I love I love Jeremy Irons. So. Um, mm hmm. I went in my man cave and I'm like, what if I try and like combine like the growl of like Jeremy Irons and like that movie phone voice? And I basically came up with Alexander the Padre. Hello, Craig, Gamezilla, Legend of Retro Podcast, and and I let them know this was the voice that I could do, and and they just loved it. And like I was like, oh my god! So I recorded all of the lines in the game, and 45 minutes later, they send me a, a, you know, the the updated game, and my voice, this voice is in the game. I was like, oh my god, that's awesome! Holy crap! So then, I mean, after that, I just didn't want to be a one-hit wonder, you know? No, yeah. have, like, no, you you got the bug now. Like you, yeah. you wrote a book, you're in a game. Like yep. it's just yep. now you have to do everything. So I just started reaching out to people and uh, along the way of reaching out to people, um, I got a message on Facebook from uh, Pete Paulquette and I recognized the name right away because I'm that geek. I'm the guy that reads <laughs> the manuals of games mm-hmm. and I'm like, I know that guy. I know I, mm, it's like on the tip of my tongue and I'm like, oh my God, Gladius, which was this awesome like LucasArts game on the Xbox and like PlayStation 2 and you know GameCube and I'm like is this is this Peepawket that did the animations in Gladius and he's like is this Patrick Hickey that wrote the minds behind the games and I'm like oh. yeah I'm, I'm like yeah how do, you, how do you know who the hell I am and he's like I'm going <laughs> to ask you the same question so uh, he has this great podcast uh, just a few more minutes that he does with a couple of other animators and he's worked for like dreamworks and like he's done like ice age and like robots and like he's he's an amazing animator he's also done like madden 18 overwatch bioshock infinite like the guy's super freaking talented so i do his podcast and uh the bromance was like lit you know and uh, (laughs) after after the podcast he's like oh if you ever want to get like more involved in games let me know and I was like, I want to get more involved in games. Like, <laughs> like he didn't wait. Yeah, no, hell no. So he's like, all right. So he's like, I'm in the middle of something. So he's like, in two weeks, you know, I'll like let you know, blah, 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 blah. So I, I, I kind of, I told my wife, my wife, my wife's the realist. I'm the dreamer and she's the, she's the realist. And she's like, listen. Keeps you grounded. Wait two weeks. Maybe he was just being nice, blah, 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 blah. You know, and um, 
two weeks later, he got back to me. He's like, all right, so my brother and I have this idea for a really different type of first person shooter. And I'm like, okay. And they're like, we're going to give you like the idea, but like, we want you to actually like populate this world with characters, backstory. We want you to write this game. Oh, wow. I went, Jigga, what? <laughs> that's, that's, uh, that's a lot and, just given to you right there. And we want you to voice like one of the main characters in the game. So, and I'm like, so they want you to just do everything. <laughs> See, the thing is, if it was anybody else, I would have been like, you know, kiss like the fattest side of my, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like this guy's resume speaks for itself. And his brother, Jeffrey, is like a super talented engineer. Like within a couple of weeks, they installed um, Unity on my Mac and I could watch like Jeff work and like design levels and stuff. Oh, wow. And I'm just like. Yeah, I love the both of these men. They are super freaking talented. Um, so that's like the name of the game is Treason in Space. And like we're a couple of months in, into development. So that and it's kind of like Alien versus Predator meets like Contra uh, 70s Battlestar Galactica. Like it's just wow. like it's got this really low poly, like dark look to it. It's frenetic. It's fun. The story. I mean, I don't want to chew my own horn or anything <laughs> like that, but uh, it's different from your average first person shooter. There's a lot of logs in the game. Like I'm a huge fan of fallout. So it's like the type of story that you would expect, like in a, in a fallout game, like backstory mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. just understanding like the world around it. Like I've, I've worked really hard to kind of develop that in there. So that's that. Um, the the main thing that I ever really wanted to do in video games, though, yeah. was like to be a narrator. Like, that's a to, big to be, role. Yeah, to just be a narrator, you know. And uh, the guys that are doing uh, the Caillou Offensive, I'm their I'm their narrator, and uh, I basically, you know, I'm just like the Caillou Offensive winner, loser, <laughs> you know, like that stuff. And it's it's, oh, it's super fun. silly, but it's fun. So I'm involved with those guys, and then. Um, Probably, like, one of, like, the Padre is, like, the thing that I'll, like, it's my first role, you know? But, like, uh, working with Kevin Wins, mm-hmm. who does uh, Relentless Rex, has been so much fun because Kevin is one of the most talented artists that I've ever, like, seen. Um, the first time I saw his game, yeah, um, it just reminded me of Wonder Boy in Monsterland. Oh, like, nice. Yeah, but it's a runner. But it has that look to it, that Wonder Boy and Monsterland type of look, like the new one, the one that's on Switch. Right. You know, it's just so beautifully drawn, and 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 all the animation in Relentless Rex is hand drawn. So it's like oh, this guy wow. is mega talented. So I know somebody. His name is Jim Kesselring. He runs a site called Razors uh, Edge dot com, and he just promotes indie games. And he knows Kevin, so I'm like Jim. You gotta like introduce me. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like that. I'm I'm. I'm shameless, you know, I'm hey, like, you got to introduce me. There's no one so that's going to promote you better than you. Yeah, yep, right. Yep. It's like, uh, I'm a big fan of like Diamond Dallas Page, the professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. Oh, do you and, do his uh, yoga? Yeah, DDP <laughs> yoga. Yeah. Yep. And uh, I uh, I interviewed uh. him when I was in college and uh, I read his autobiography and like he's that, I'm like that type of guy. Like if, <laughs> if I see something I want, I just go after it, you know. And uh, so I busted Kevin Wins's, you know, chops. For weeks, I'm like, dude, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. So he, Relentless Rex is basically about this little dinosaur that's running from a big dinosaur, from like this big <laughs> T-Rex. It's a runner. It's super fun. It's beautifully animated. And I wanted to be the voice of Relentless Rex. He was going to Kickstarter, and he needed a voice. So on Instagram, he's p- 
posting pictures of like Tony Todd and Kevin Michael Richardson and stuff. Those are the voices that he wanted. And I'm like, I could do Kevin Michael Richardson's shredder and then just add something <laughs> to it because I don't want to rip off anybody. Right. You know? Sure. Yeah. So, um, I kind of came up with this combination of Kevin Michael Richardson and like Arnold Schwarzenegger and, uh, it's like my name is Relentless Rex, and I am a T-Rex, and I'm right here, and I will bite you, yeah, ha, 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 you know. And uh, I sent it to him, and uh, he loved it. So then I did the trailer for his Kickstarter, and uh, after that, I didn't know, like, what the future was. Like, I was like, all right, maybe I'm just going to do the trailer and stuff, and Kevin's so awesome. He bought a whole bunch of copies of my book. Like, he's just this amazing guy, and he's like, listen, I'm going to, like, find a way to, like, keep you around because i like the voice he's like i like what you did with the character and stuff like that so yeah. he's like writing me into the game you know oh that's great wow so it's like the past like you know 11 months between the book being released and you know the end of april beginning of may and all of this stuff has just been mm-hmm. super super amazing like I, I i could have never ever predicted this and now working on the sequel to the book and already having like more developers signed on already in the three months that I've been like just doing the reporting and not even the writing. Wow. Like I'm super excited for well, like the future. And and the book's been out for how long now? Uh like the last week of April. Last week of April. So like four so months. All this has been going on during the release of your book, which I'm sure you're trying to do a ton of publicity for, get your name out there, promote yeah. it in every way. You're yeah. here bec- you know, to promote your book, but it's yeah helps get all these other things and uh, and and you know you had mentioned the the Wonder Boy game and and that's in your book as well. Yes. And yeah. um, there's a ton of other games in there and some of them that I just kind of wanted to to hit on that I know that some most of our listeners will recognize like yeah. E. T. the Extraterrestrial, Night Trap, NBA Jam, Doom, uh, Mortal Kombat, Maniac Mansion's a really really popular game here on yeah. our team. Uh, Love I'm it. I'm very partial to the Incredible Hulk Ultimate Destruction game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, like some newer ones like Tower of Fall, it's another really big one, and Toe Jam and Earl. Um, but it's it's amazing to see that like you have this passion for these video games, these developers, these stories that you want to get told. Um, and then because of that passion, you write this book, you do these great interviews, and it kind of helps pave a way for what you said, how you want to get involved in gaming, and it and it kind of just parts the seas for you to walk in and and show yourself to the rest of the gaming community. Hey, I'm I'm here. Here's what I want to do. Let me jump in and do those things. Sure. And it's like, I just want to say that, like, for the record, like, I am a journalism, I am a journalist first. I was going to say journalism professor. Journalism professor is my full-time job. I love it. I want to do it for the rest of my life. Like, I want them to drag my cold, dead carcass, like, out of a college (laughs) teaching journalism. But, like, writing, writing journalistically is, like, my bread and butter. That's, like, one of the only things that I do well, you know, and, um, well, that in the but, voice. Yeah, I don't know. That voice that is really voice, good. Yeah. Um, thank you. But um, I never had any intention of ever getting involved in like voice acting and the video game industry on the development side. It's something that like it was like a dream, you know. Mm-hmm. But it's like Doctor Phil says, like the difference between like a dream and a goal is like a call to action. And it's like it was. I never had a call to action. Mm-hmm to like actually do this stuff. And then yeah. like when the opportunities presented themselves, then I created a call to action. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. So the most important part for me is to continue to journalistically un- unbiasedly, um, morally and ethically sound, tell the stories of these developers because they deserve to be told 
because no one is asking these people these questions. Video games affect all sorts of multimedia, pop culture and stuff. And it's like we play games and go, oh, you know what? That game kind of reminds me of this, blah, 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 blah. And we never stop and say, um, yeah, they had the same developer. Or, oh, the developer that worked on this game 25 years ago actually uh, mentored this guy who made this game and blah, blah, blah. We don't do that. We do that with music. We do that with film. Television. Comic books, television. Why don't we do it with video games? You know, it's like um, when I was starting to write the first book, I'm in a video game store that I hang out in, and I'm just shooting the breeze and stuff. And and, an Instagram guy came in. He's got like 50,000 followers on Instagram and stuff. And we started talking about video games, and I started dropping some knowledge, and he's just like has no idea. And I'm just like, you You post a picture of a game on Instagram and like thousands of little kids will go off and like play it or like comment on it and stuff like that. And you're not you're not educated mm-hmm. on it. And it's just like stuff like that just drives me crazy. So it's like I, I've kind of like taken it upon myself. I'm not writing a reference book like dozens of other video game authors are doing. Mm-hmm. Like I'm going out and I'm I'm actively trying to chronicle like the stories of of games, you know, I was inspired by video game journalists, the likes of like um, Danny O'Dwyer, um, Brett Weiss, Leonard Herman. These are guys that like go out and try and like find out what's going on. And mm-hmm. like a lot of people don't know who they are. I'm sure everyone knows Danny O'Dwyer, but like Leonard Herman and like Brett Weiss are two great guys doing awesome work. And I wanted to just continue that type of narrative that like the people that the minds behind the games like actually matter. Like if you get to know the people that made these games, you'll understand these games so much more and you'll have a bigger appreciation for them. The terms like good and bad don't belong like next to a video game because they're art. So it's more like if you guys read the wonder boy chapter at the end of the chapter, the developer says something along the lines of like, whatever someone feels about my game is true because it's their opinion. And once they play the game and they have an opinion on it and they have an emotion it's the truth. Yeah. You know? So it's like I'd rather have people read these chapters that on games that like they would have written off like E. T. and then under or Night Trap and understanding like, wow, all of this stuff went into this game. Let me at least experience it and see if it induces some type of emotional response. And whether that's good or bad, it doesn't matter because as long as it induces some type of feeling within you, then you're connected to that game for the rest of your life. Right. That's what I want, you know? Yeah, exactly. And as far as that goes, uh, Patrick, I uh, I did want to uh, touch base with you here because, sure. uh, you know, it's clear that you have a lot of passion when it comes to gaming. I was kind of wondering, what are some of your favorite video games? So I have I have roughly in between, like, it's hard. Um 2,500 and 3,000 video games across oh like gosh. across like three dozen uh, consoles. Mm-hmm. Um, I play games all day, like not all day, every day. <laughs> Even um, when you're teaching. I yeah, I wish. Like, I'm not gonna lie though. Like in, bet- in between classes, like I'm firing up the emulator for like 15 minutes. Oh, I don't blame you. you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I was playing NHL hits like 2002 the other day, just because <laughs> the Islanders were actually good in that game. Um, but. Uh, I look, I look at games as like talking pieces as like moments of like, they represent like moments in time, moments in history, moments in my life and stuff. So it's like a game like final fantasy seven for me represents like the teenage, the teenage Patrick that was, that bought the game with his own money yeah. that like wanted to experience like 
a classic Japanese RPG, you know, like that was different from everything else that he had played that looked different, played different, that like had a score that he still listens to to this day, you know, or like, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, NHL hockey. 94. It was like a game I played with my dad all the time. My dad broke a controller in half because I just destroyed him <laughs> in the game. You know, um, Pokemon. I mean, I remember Pokemon Red and Blue. I remember going to uh, high school um, in a different neighborhood than, than I lived in. I was like, you know, this 13, 13, 14 year old kid taking the bus into a neighborhood where everyone looked different than me. Everyone mm-hmm. acted differently than me. Everyone spoke languages that I had never heard before. But for those 45 minutes that I was on the bus, I mean, I was the best that ever was, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, and and like all of these things you talk to, talk about these experiences. I mean, mm-hmm. in, in your Toe Jam and Earl chapter, uh, Greg Johnson, who you interviewed, he yeah. he said, you know, powerful memories don't really come from games; they come from the connections with the people who are important yes. to us. The games yes. were just the focal point that facilitated the connection, and I think mm-hmm. that's a huge thing. Reason why we do this show is because of these games mean a moment in our life that you know we built this connection with this person or it had this impact on me based on what I was going through and and I'm and and aside from you wanting to share the history and and the work that's put into these games I think you're also in the book hitting on those memories and that those times that where we build these deep connections with people and these games and to kind of make sure that everyone notices hey you know these developers also do those kinds of things too it's not that they're just making them for money they're a, they're a work of love and labor that it means something more to them Absolutely. I mean, perfect example is a guy like Matt Thorson, who, I mean, everyone knows for Celeste now because, I mean, Celeste is just so perfect. Mm-hmm. It's such a good game. But, um, like, Towerful, he's, he's like, admittedly, like, a shy guy. And he couldn't be shy when he produced Towerful because it's a couch <laughs> co-op game and they right. had to take it on the road everywhere. <laughs> so it kind of forced him to come out of his out of his shell, you know. So, I yeah, I absolutely agree. But um, to – to answer your question, a couple of other games like uh, Fallout 3, Fallout 4, Wasteland. Um, I'm trying to think of what else. Um, You're a rich story guy, I think. Yeah, yeah, I love games with like story and feel. Um, the Gabriel Knight series I love just because, like, again, story, 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 story. Last of Us, oh, love oh, that game. So good. Um, I think you know, I cried um, in that. Just <laughs> I, getting, I interviewed one of the developers when I was at NBC, and that was like. I begged. I was at NBC for two and a half years in the first year that I was there. I was doing mostly like general news and like pop culture aggregation and stuff. And I was yeah. just so bored. And I went to my editor and I was like, please let me do stuff that I'm good at that. Like I'm, I'm bored here. <laughs> uh-huh. And he was like, well, what do you got? And I'm like, I could interview one of the devs of this game, the last of us. I'm like, it's going to be like the last great game on the PS3. And he's like, okay, all right, go, go ahead and do it. And then that just opened the doors, like the floodgates because then like three days later, I had an interview with the dev from like God of War uh, Ascension and then Sonic Lost World and then EA all the all the sports games and then WWE games so it just like it lit a fire mm-hmm. under me. Well, how so. so how do you so how do you go about like getting these developers to interview? Now, I mean, is it like was that a direct connection through your job at the time or is it more or less just like a door-to-door kind of thing via email? You send it out, you ask and then you keep asking or you move on well that's the thing too it's like the first game i probably i had 36 games so around like 50 50 developers on the record like 10 or 15 off the record for like uh 
just to get more of an idea of like what development cycles are like and stuff. Yeah. And some of them didn't make games that people would particularly be interested in and things like that. Or maybe they didn't want to talk on the record, but they wanted to give me information and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So um, it's a combination of all of the because I mean, I've interviewed hundreds of game developers on Review Fix, on Examiner, on Old School Gamer, on NBC, on like uh, I've written for a lot of video game websites. A lot of them don't even exist anymore. That's how you can tell like you've done it for a while, <laughs> you know, that like some of these sites don't even exist anymore. But um, I just resourced all of my all of my connections. I see. And uh, and then LinkedIn is great. Uh, I contacted people on Instagram. I contacted people on Facebook. I found people on like on through Google searches. I used Moby Games to cross reference like uh, credits list. I looked through instruction manuals and the games <laughs> that I have. Like you did your re- well, you're a journalist, you know. Yes, like that's, that's that's where that deep research comes from. See, that's the thing too. I'm thank you for saying that. Like I will love you for the rest of my life for that. You're welcome. Because I, when, when I told when I told you know other professors like in my school and other professors and other campuses and stuff that I was working on this book to like, Oh, the Patrick, why the video games? Like, mm, like they thought it wasn't like a, a significant pursuit of like my skills that it wasn't academic and this and that. And I, I, I tell my students all the time, like all of the skills that I teach you on a day to day basis, like to be hungry, to go for your source, to like be thorough, to be ethical, to be moral, to be exact, all of those things. I did that in this book. It was just about video games, mm-hmm. you know, and anyone that like discounts the importance on video games and pop culture, the same conversation was happening about 70 years ago about film. Yeah. You know, so I think like by the time that I die, that like my book will be a lot more important then than it is now. Now I think it's important and I think people should read it. But I think when oh, I hate to even talk like this, but when some <laughs> of these developers start to pass away oh, and yeah. people find out that they haven't really like told their story, yeah. somebody will go, oh, well, no, you know, he talked to Patrick Ickey Jr. like 15 years ago in that book. And like that's the whole purpose, like getting these people to share their stories and for me to tell it in a way where like you've read the chapters like my writing is more like guiding the story you know it's yeah, my opinion's not really there it's it's more about their quotes and me felt, getting from quote to quote yeah, it felt very accessible it was uh yeah. i really enjoyed that i i, I like your uh, style of writing a lot because it didn't feel especially preachy or anything it was just sort of hey here's what they had to say you know, it was very, you know, it was just sort of about them and it was just some commentary as you went along, you know. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll tell you guys one more like quick story. When I went to graduate school for uh, journalism, I went to the uh, CUNY Graduate School of Journalism in New York. It's like a top four journalism program in the United yeah. States. It's now the Craig Newmark School of Journalism. Um, I was taking an entertainment critique class and the first day the professor was like, where do you want people to read your writing? Mm-hmm. It's like kind of like this highfalutin question in a way, but like some of these grad graduate students, like they're like in Air Force One, what in the White <laughs> what, House? What does that mean? Okay. You know, in this, yeah, in that. You, know, you know what I said? That's just that's that's just as good as buzzwords in a in like a an, an internet article. That Harrison exactly. Ford movie? Yeah, yeah right. Exactly. Yeah. Get off my plane! You know, um, I said I said in the bathroom. Yeah, and the teacher looks at me. And he smiles and he goes, that's the best answer. And he's like, Patrick, why in the bathroom? I'm like, because if you're reading a book and it's so good that you need to take it into the bathroom with you, that writer's done a good job. <laughs> no, and, absolutely. Like, 
Brett Weiss's book, um, The Hundred Best Video Games, nineteen seventy seven to nineteen eighty seven. Um, I took that that book into the bathroom with me, and after I read that book, I was like, I can do this. I can write my own video game book. I'm not going to rip off Brett style. And I'm going to do it my own way. I love to do interviews. So I'm like, it's going to be like an interview anthology and it's going to be accessible and it's going to be fun, but it's going to be smart and it's going to be educational. It, and yeah. that, that's, that's, that was like my goal. It was absolutely all of that because it was, like you said, it was, Craig said it was accessible. You said that too, but it, there were quick reads, but it, mm-hmm. it, it, I wanted, and I don't do this very often, but I wanted to go back and read it again. Like oh, I, awesome. I, I just Thank finished, so I just finished that chapter. I'm like, well, I really like that. I want to read it again so I know it better. And <laughs> and I'm the kind of guy who honestly, I'll read a story once and I'll be like, okay, I don't really need to read this again. I, I have that feeling or thoughts in my head. But like your book, you know, it's one of those things that I, I am totally comfortable with. You know, I'll leave it out. I would leave it out in the open and and recommend. You know, instead of us just watching a television show or something, read mm-hmm. read read a chapter in this book. It takes no longer than like. 10 minutes to, to read a really good interview accompanied by like historical fact. And um, it, it's just, yeah, like it's just very, very accessible. And, and to, to kind of go on um, some of the things that, that we found in your game, uh, one of our hosts, isn't he goes by the glitch cause he does speed runs and he does a lot of uh, video game glitching online. Mm-hmm. Um, he is particularly fond of maniac mansion and it's a very, I would say it's a popular game. It's not as popular as it should be, uh, but it's had a lot of impact, I think, game mechanic-wise and game development-wise. Absolutely. And uh, he wanted to know, you know, in your opinion and in the interview, uh, would you say that, that Maniac Mansion redefined the industry and changed it forever, or did you think that it more or less applied to just the point-and-click adventure games? Um, and are you surprised that maybe more games these days, for some reason, don't have these uh, multiple endings in, in this way that this game kind of defined for the, the Nintendo when it came out? So I just want to tell Glitch that he's number two. I love him. I'll love Perfect. him for the rest as of As long as Craig is not <laughs> number one, we're so, okay. Yeah. I'm okay so, with number three. So, so <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, you're number three. Um, so, so this is the thing. The reason why there aren't as many games like Maniac Mansion out is because it requires a specific set of skills. Like these guys are like the Liam Neesons of video game development like maniac mansion was so far ahead of its time Mm -hmm. they completely created the point and click genre they their style of writing was so smart and so witty that they actually like you could smile and laugh like while you're playing a game like you could spit out your drink laughing oh yeah at some of the dialogue in this game you could put a freaking hamster in a in a (laughs) a microwave. microwave You know, like these guys were so far ahead of their time and they inspired, Mm -hmm. they probably inspired just as many developers as they did people that bought the game, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Yeah, it's sad that not as many people have kind of like followed in their footsteps, but there are plenty of great point and click games out there. Um, There's a developer, his name's Dave Gilbert, he runs Wadget Eye Games and, um, He's made a slew of amazing point-and-click games, and they sell well. But this is a guy that, like, if you're into Maniac Mansion, he's definitely a guy that you should Google and check out. It's just you have to hunt 
more for excellent point and click games. And it's like, it's funny because it's like the Padre, there are definitely elements of maniac mansion in the Padre. There's elements of like alone in the dark in the Padre too. But, uh, to get back to maniac mansion, excellent writing. And that's hard to do. So this is the thing. These guys were excellent video game developers, freaking geniuses, but that doesn't necessarily always translate to top notch writing Mm -hmm. either. So these guys were lucky enough that they were amazing writers too. So it's super hard. Like it'll be super hard to ever like replicate the success of Maniac Mansion. But the thing is too, if you guys have played Thimbleweed Park, oh my God. Have have, you guys played that before? I have played a little bit of it and it's the, like I love that there's a feature in there where you can turn on or turn off the fact that it's poking fun at itself. Yeah, there's like tons of jokes in the game <laughs> to yeah. where they literally just make fun of themselves, the genre, everything that they've done in the in the gaming industry, and you can turn that feature on or off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I great. would totally tell anyone that's never played a point and click uh, game before, uh, play it on easy because it's super challenging. It's yeah. not that, that's the thing that that turns some people off to point and click games is that you actually have to think. It's like I love. Super Mario Brothers and I love Madden and stuff, but I mean those are games that you could play with like your brain off. Yeah. And point and click games are games that you absolutely positively have to be on for. Mm-hmm. So that's why I would think that they haven't they over the last couple of years they haven't been as popular as they should because oh millennials are the worst. <laughs> <laughs> They're just the worst. Entitled, lazy, like just they want. They, they just want like they want TV dinner style video games. They just want a know? taste of everything. They don't want to the savor or, or put the effort yeah. into into enjoying something fully. Oh, wait, like I could buy the game for 60 bucks and then instead of playing it, I could just pay another 60 and I can get a whole bunch of t- like cool stuff and then just start the game like max level and stuff. That would never happen when we when I was a kid in the 80s and 90s. If you wanted to get good in a game, you had to like sit your butt down and play it. I remember hunting for all of the materia in Final Fantasy VII and oh, fighting those, those weapons in the desert under the water and stuff and dying hundreds of times before I got like the perfect combination of materia on my characters and using Knights of the Round with like, you know, and it, oh my God, we, we actually played and now, now it's so different, you know? And that's why I think a game like Maniac Mansion is kind of like lost in the shuffle in a way because you cannot like drink a monster energy and like blast like Drake and play Maniac Mansion in the background. <laughs> Can't do it. Though I, I would like to see somebody play, try to do that and then laugh at them <laughs> as they fail horribly. That would be awesome. Uh, now, Patrick, I did want to uh, ask you another question here in relation sure. to your book here. So I... Uh, for anyone who's who's maybe on the fence, maybe somebody who uh, maybe doesn't do much reading or something like that, if someone picked up your book and was going to read a random chapter just to understand what the book was about, uh, to you know get a good feel for everything, what do, and your writing style for that matter, what chapter do you recommend? Like if you had to recommend to just maybe not necessarily the best chapter, but maybe the, the a good starting point. If someone was to just pick up your book and like you know uh, read a few pages, what do you think that uh, section would be? Uh, it's a toss up between two. Um, I would say either Pro Wrestling X or Night Trap. Pro Wrestling X or Night Trap. Now, is there any particular reason you chose those two, or is it just sort of like a gut feeling? No, no, no. Because the thing is, it's like every person that uh, has sent me like their comments on the book have yeah. always said like, I I thought Night Trap was like this piece of crap game, 
da, 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 da. and then when they they read it and they got like the whole history they were like yeah. oh my god um i think it's the best source chapter in the book okay. um i watched over eight hours of senate congress like deliberations <laughs> on like the esrb yes um, for that chapter to the point where like I was on the bus and the train and people were watch- like looking at me watch like, you know, C-SPAN from like 1992 and 1993 or whatever. And they must have thought I was crazy. You know, um, I think people and, are crazy uh, for watching C-SPAN anyway, let alone yeah, from like, you yeah. know, 20, 30 years ago. So um, it's, it's just one of those things where like if Night Trap is released when it was originally finished in like 1986 or 1987, it would have totally redefined the video game industry. It's like, think of how, how beloved dragon's lair is mm-hmm. still to this day. So now imagine being able to control a horror movie at like the height of like the horror movie, like industry in mm-hmm. the mid eighties, it would have been nuts. And then now say to yourself, imagine if super Mario brothers comes out in 1991 instead of 1985, no one would have cared, you know? So mm-hmm. Night Trap was just a victim of like some really bad behind the scenes business dealings and stuff that the developers had nothing that it was, it was beyond them. They couldn't handle any of that yeah. stuff. Um, so th- I think that's an important chapter. And I think people would, would connect to it for that. And then like pro wrestling X is just about a guy with a dream. He loved uh, wrestling games. He was dismayed by the uh, quality of the wrestling games on the Nintendo GameCube after the ones on the Nintendo 64 were so amazing. And he got dared to make a game. And, you know, 12, 13 years later and over a quarter of a million dollars of his own money later, and he's still developing a game. Wow. So, yeah. So it's like if if, if you read either one of those chapters and you don't want to continue reading, then, like, I give you permission to come to my house and attempt to punch me in the face. <laughs> <laughs> you've, heard, you've heard it here, folks. <laughs> you heard it here I, first. We'll post I, his I, address I later on this episode. I just want to, make a note to say that I'm six foot four and 340 pounds, so you can try. So no one's so. coming. <laughs> no, but, like, bottom line is, like, those are just, those are two really good stories about great people that happen to love video games. It's like, um... I've had people that weren't into video games read the book and they they automatically gravitated to like the E.T. chapter. Right. And they were like, we can't believe that that poor guy, Howard Scott Warshaw, got put through all of that. Like he oh, had to make yeah. that game in five weeks. Blah, blah, blah. Oh, it's I'm crazy. Like, yes. Yes. So. So, yeah, that, that's that's my answer. Well, and yeah, and I, I think a lot of things come to light in your book on. And like you had said, there's there's all this reverence for film and TV. Mm-hmm. But because we're playing a game it's it's automatically taken down a peg mm-hmm. yeah we don't understand that you know some some people the product that they produce isn't what they wanted to produce it was what they were told to do or yeah. or the the restrictions and things in front of them prevented them from developing and producing a content that they wanted to get out in the story that they wanted to tell and uh a lot of these games we get to see behind that curtain and kind of have a new appreciation. Like you said, for Night Trap and Pro Wrestling X, like, uh, I mean, I think E.T. has kind of been shoved in people's faces lately. Mm-hmm. I feel like that game's yeah. very, very much in the ether. But mm-hmm. uh, hitting on these other games that maybe some people have recognized but don't know the background behind, it does build a new appreciation for, like you said, the artwork and the art form that is video game making. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So, so besides, so you, so you kind of recommended some of these chapters that that people will read, but 
you know, obviously you're working on a sequel because you have more to say. Is there games or developers that you you loved and you wanted to get into this book that you weren't able to do? And you don't have to necessarily say who they are if there's you know issues with that. But like, well, of course, I could say that it wouldn't be juicy. <laughs> it would be fun. Uh, but yeah, so, it, it, is there some that kind of like you really wanted to get in and just couldn't couldn't do it? Yeah, um, there was a couple of games that I wanted to get in that I couldn't get in because the people didn't get back to me in time. Um, one of them was Loaded on the PlayStation 1, um, which was a top-down shooter that just super bloody. I mean, it made my grandmother <laughs> throw up. Oh, like, I, I love that game. Just the art style. Um, the, uh, the artist, Greg Staples, for Loaded is probably one of the most talented artists I've ever met in my entire life. If you guys Google Greg Staples and, like, Wolverine and like Greg Staples, Judge Dredd, like the guy is amazing. Yeah. So um, they didn't get back in back to me in time to be included in the first game and then in the first book and then a couple of months after the book came out, they're like, "Do you still want to talk to me? Uh, do you still want to talk?" And I'm like, "Yeah, sure." So then they were they are the first, um, they are the first game that got confirmed for the sequel. So if you guys oh. want. This could be exclusive, ooh, and ooh. I I could give you the list of confirmed titles so far for the sequel. I mean, I'm not gonna turn your mic off. So if you just start naming them, like I mean, we ain't gonna stop. We're yet. gonna we're gonna let it happen. Okay, so these are people that have said that they will that they will. What <laughs> an interview! Um, some of them have signed release. are completely confirmed, but these are all the people that have said yes to me okay. so far. Okay. All right, so um, there's indie games, cold games, classic games. I'll, I'll, here we go. Just do it. Um, Lauren Lemke, Super Blood Hockey, Zach Johnson, West of Loathing, Patrick Lipo, X-Men Legends, Paul Hiley, Michael Hurst, Neil Biggin, Greg Staples, Loaded, Carlos Hernando, A Right from the Stars, Dan Kitchen, Double Dragon, Dan Kitchen, Turn and Burn, No Fly Zone, Nate Weiss, Songbringer, Jake Simpson, Revolution X, Aaron Karamata, Tony Hawk Pro Skater 3, Michael Brook, John, the original John Madden football, um, Mark Flipman, Maximum Carnage, and NFL Blitz 2002, um, Todd Klinschmidt, Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring, um, we got Dan Hinkles, Five Star Wrestling, Tony Barnes, Blood Omen, The Legacy of Kane, also Strider and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, David Crane, Pitfall, Gary Kitchen's Game Maker, Gary Kitchen Keystone Capers, Mark Termel is also talking to me about NFL Blitz, David Cowan, the original Grand Theft Auto, wow. Yoshitomo uh, Morawaki, uh, Boom Blocks, Perry Rogers, um, NFL, uh, NBA Shootout, um, mm-hmm. Perry Rogers, Parappa the Rapper, um, Andrew Glaser, Pitfall the Main Adventure, Brett Taylor, Limelight, Simon Pick, Die Hard Trilogy, Christopher Williams, the original Star Wars Battlefront. Um, Brenda Romero, who you guys may know as the, you know, um, she is the the wife of the infamous Doom Romero. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons Hero. She's an amazing developer. I cannot wait to talk to her like more in depth. That'd be awesome. Um, Adam Jeffcoat, who just did the video kid on the Switch, um, which is awesome. It's like a it's like a throwback to like Paperboy. It's just this is an amazing game. Um, Howard Scott Warshaw who's going to talk to me about Raiders of the Lost Ark, which was a million seller on the Atari 2600. Michael Menheim, Mutant League Hockey. John Vignoshi, um, Disney Infinity. And Jim Kesselring, 
Ages of Urath. So there's, there's a that's lot. That's a nice list. Yeah, right that's there. a it's and it's nice that it's it's pretty varied. There's a lot of mm-hmm. games in there, and I'd be interesting. Uh, it would be interesting to catch the history on certain games that like are a little more infamous, like uh, the Lord of the Rings game on Super Nintendo. You mentioned in that list, right? Well, no, this is the one. This was the Lord of the Rings that came out on this on uh, PlayStation Two. Oh, this but is a thing, good version. That. <laughs> yeah, it's the good version. But the thing is, it's like it's based on the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's oh, not yeah. based on the first movie. And like for me, it's like I played through that game and I loved it. And I was always like, I would have liked to see that dev team work on like you know Return of the King and the next one, but they didn't. And actually, Todd. Is, has actually worked on like the last two or three Lord of the Rings games. So it's like his impact on the series has continued as time goes on. So um, I will say that like I have gotten answers from a lot of these guys so far. So like the story for Revolution X, which was uh, it's a shooter that um, Aerosmith did all the music for. Yeah, that's, yeah I've um, heard about that. And it's just an amazing story. And like uh, the Tony Hawk 3 chapter, freaking awesome. I sat down with Michael Brook um, last week. Mm-hmm. And uh, we talked about the original John Madden football, and to me, that's like that's not that's like one of oh oh my god, and I I'm so stupid, I forgot the uh, I I wrote the first chapter of the book today, and it's actually WCW NWO Revenge on the Nintendo 64. <laughs> oh yeah, oh man, and, uh, it's like I had to write that chapter first because that was probably my favorite game on the Nintendo 64, and uh, the producer Sanders Keel gave me so much amazing information. Like this guy is like. Oh, he, he's one of the most talented developers like that I've ever like spoke to. And like to be able to write that chapter first, like this was um, it was a chapter that I wanted in the first book. But I, I, mm-hmm. I reached out to him and I didn't get an answer. And then ironically, the guy that did Pro Wrestling X knew him. Oh, of course. And, <laughs> and uh, vouched for me. And then I just started speaking to Sanders and he friends me on Facebook. And he's just this amazing guy. And uh, to have that in the game. So like we have wrestling games we have a like the first basketball game on the playstation we have parappa the rapper we have um uh what's it called right from from the stars is a point and click game that is heavily inspired by the games of like from the team of maniac mansion uh double dragon it's this is an interesting story because it's the double dragon that was released on the atari 2600 oh, so yeah a lot of think. people don't even know that it exists no you know well, that'd be and, interesting uh, yeah, so really interesting uh, development story there. Um, like I said to um, Maximum Carnage, um, that was like one of my favorite games on the Super oh, Nintendo. Well, so, and, it, yeah, we did an episode on that, and like I was uh, at that time, I was younger, and my brother was really, really, really into the comics, and mm-hmm. you know that game alone just is it, so true to that. And uh, mm-hmm. it's it's you don't see those things anymore. Kind of like, I mean, I even though the, the Hulk Ultimate Destruction one is further away from exact replication of the comics, it still captures that feeling of those games and those characters mm-hmm. in a way that like I haven't seen anything else in, instead of or uh, uh, but like the new Spider-Man game that's come out. Uh, I haven't had mm-hmm. a chance to play it a lot, but uh, you know, I think most Spider-Man games, which is weird, they seem to capture the character so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. It's interesting because there are so many like comic book games and and movie games and stuff that don't do necessarily the best job capturing it. But somehow Spider Man is usually pretty mm-hmm. lucky. He normally makes out like a bandit. See, this is the thing too, and I just want to say that like Mark Flick uh, Flitman, the uh, producer for Maximum Carnage, he sent me the answers a couple of days ago, and 
this chapter is going to like blow people's minds. Like oh, I'm, nice. I love it. Like I read the answers and I wanted to like, just go and start writing like right away. <laughs> but, um, the thing that's important with maximum carnage is a lot of these games that come out now, like Spy- the new Spider-Man that just came out, it had a ri- an original story. Like mm-hmm. that game had its own story and stuff like that. Maximum carnage is to my recollection, my, my recollection, the first video game based on a comic book run. Yeah. You know, it's not like they took the character and was like, oh, we'll put him like Spider-Man versus Sinister Six. You know, we'll throw all these enemies and stuff like that. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. This is like, no, we have this run that's going to be super important. Like Acclaim went into, you know, Marvel and was like, what are you guys working on? And they didn't even finish. Like, they're like, oh, well, we have this arc that's coming up that's going to be super important, blah, 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 blah. And they were like, all right, you know what? We're going to base a game on it. It was like totally revolutionary. Something like that had never happened before. So being able to share this story in the book is like it's it's super important to me. Well, and and you know she, this next book seems like it's going to be twice the size of your first one, and with the games that you picked for this one and, and who you got in touch with and who got in touch with you, like mm-hmm. what was your process of picking which games you wanted to do? Like I know I think a lot of it is probably just games you want to know more about for yourself, mm-hmm. favorites, sure. um, things that were popular or things that maybe you've heard that had maybe a little bit more history to them. But what was kind of the, the process that you went through when you developed the structure of what games you were going to go for? It, it's it's all of that, what you just said. But then also, too, it's like I remember when Cody Rhodes um, left the WWE and uh, he was on like the indie circuit and stuff like that. And if you guys don't know who Cody Rhodes is, he's uh-huh. like the like one of the best professional wrestlers in the world right now. And he's excellent at self-marketing and stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, he made this list and he took the picture of the list and put it on Twitter. And it was all the people that he wanted to wrestle and where he wanted to wrestle and all the things that he wanted to do. So when I initially sent out like the pitches for this book, the first five or six, yeah. which was like um, – Mutant League Football, um, King's Bounty, um, trying to think of what else, Boy in His Blob, um, all, all of these games, like five or six games, I said to myself, you know, if all five or six of these people, uh, if half of them get back to me, then I'll have enough to write a book. Yeah. And then within like a week and a half, all of them got back to me. <laughs> yeah, that's great. So, th- so now I have six. So then I send out a pitch to a publisher and I'm like, I have these six chapters done. This is like what I want to do. And three days later, McFarlane got back to me and they're like, yeah, well, you know, like this sounds great, but you're, you know, you're going to need at least like 75,000 words. So you're going to need like at least 23, like, you know, 20 to 25 uh, games for the first book. And I was like, oh my God, like I just gave myself so much more work because I originally wanted to do like a coffee table book and have like, I wanted the interviews to be the way that they're written in this book, but I wanted it to be heavier with pictures and stuff like that. And I figured like 15 games would be good. And I ended up with 36 for the first. And, um, the way I ended up getting the games is I would just sit in my man cave and I, and I would just look through all of my games and be like, you know what, this game, this game definitely has a good story. And then like ET that speaks for itself. And like just games I, on my list, I had like games that redefine genres and that's where, Maniac Mansion comes in, you know, uh, games that were never released in the United States. That's where the fireman comes in, yeah. you know, speak, speak to a Japanese developer. That's where the fireman and like wonder boy and monster world comes in, you know? So it's like, um, interview a female developer and that's how I got the developer for fighting force, Sarah Jane Avery, you know? So it's like, I had all of these things that I wanted to check off. So, I mean, that list basically stayed the same for book two. It's just like here, um, I can't, I said to myself, I, I wanted to focus more on like story. So like, um, 
Dungeons uh, not Dungeons and Dragons, um, Heroes. That's a great game, by the way. If you guys haven't played it on the original Xbox, oh, I love it. Um, <laughs> Double Dragon. Double Dragon is like one of the most important beat 'em ups of all time. But it's like what what ha- what is what has been what hasn't been said about the original Double Dragon? Like everything, you know. Yeah. But when I found, I didn't know that there was a Double Dragon made on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Like during the Atari Twenty Six Hundred's like last like year or two. Like we're talking like 1987, 1988. I didn't even know they were still making games for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred <laughs> at that time. I don't oh, think yeah. they did really. <laughs> yeah, and then also too, like Dan Kitchen. He's an amazing developer. His brother, Gary Kitchen, designed um, Donkey Kong on the uh, Atari 2600. Yeah. So it's like, so now you got two brothers that are amazing developers, and now one of them is making Donkey Kong, and then the other one, who's super talented, is making, what's it called, uh, Double Dragon on the Atari 2600. To just find out, like, how he tried to cram, like, that arcade classic into, and it's a very different game, too, because of the limitations and things like that. I, I figured that would be a fun story for people to want to get into, you know? Um, same thing, too, with, like, NFL Blitz. I love the NFL Blitz series, but, like, NFL Blitz 2002 came out after the Super Bowl that year. Mm-hmm. To me, that says something happened in development. Yeah. There's got to be a story there, mm-hmm. you know? So I would rather tell that story than spend 3,000 words telling people how amazing NFL Blitz is because they know that already. Right. Hey, you, yeah. You're giving them something more to, to appreciate yeah. that game with. So the thing is, too, it's like my uh, my publisher, uh, McFarlane, is in, they're an academic uh, nonfiction publisher. So their games tend to – they're games, you hear me? Their books <laughs> – Everything's tend, a game. Yeah, everything's a game now. <laughs> their books tend to be on the more expensive side. You know, they sell lots of libraries and stuff like that, which is great because my book is in over 35 universities already, which is wow. crazy. University of Michigan, Stanford, UC Berkeley. Like, oh, my God, amazing, you know. Um, but to me, like, the book is $40, and a lot of people – like, I've, I've spoken at cons, and I've sold books at cons, and some people have said no based on the price. And to me – when you think about it the way that I'm about to tell you, it makes more sense because it's like you have 36 games in the first book. So that's like a dollar and change a chapter, you know? <laughs> so it's like if you do the math like that, you're getting a bargain. You are. You know? And you're getting pictures that have never been seen before. And you're getting narratives that are not on Wikipedia, that have not been seen anywhere before. And, and it's like the same thing, the E.T. chapter I'm super proud of. And a lot of that information is known already. But then I got Howard to like really open up and we got a lot more information out of him. Stuff that was, that's not in Atari Game Over and stuff that's not on like angry, the angry you know video game nerds movie and stuff. So yeah. it's like it's all about providing value to the reader. Like that's who I care about the most. Like I, I would never, ever want to just like rip off like, um, you know, a no clip video or information off of Wikipedia. Like it's about looking at this game as critically and thoroughly as possible and giving the reader a story that they haven't really gotten anywhere else. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great, it's, it's a real journalistic endeavor. Cause yeah, it, it, um, I, I don't, uh, it's funny to think because you're not going to get this same kind of reading on Wikipedia. It's a t- completely different voice. Yeah. But yeah. then also to think about it the other way, like some stuff that you report now will probably end up on Wikipedia. Well, see, which that's is kind of crazy. It's so funny. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you two things really quick. It's like uh, when my publisher originally read the 
the first manuscript, like before it was edited and stuff like that, um, they had one of their one of their historians read it, like one of the guy that writes history books and stuff, and he goes, "This is going to be a primary source of." of investigation for like video game uh, historians like for years to come. Oh wow. That's and awesome. I was like <laughs> you, don't, you don't expect that. <laughs> you know, like yeah, I did not I did not expect that like at all. So totally like rocked my socks. And then what the reason why I decided to write the sequel like it just came to me. I remember one day I, the book had just come out like a week before and I'm walking to work mm-hmm. and I'm playing Pokemon Go and uh, just, you know, jerking around, listening to music, got the Spotify going on and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. wait a second. I'm, I'm not special anymore. <laughs> I put everything into that book. Like I didn't like that's the thing when you're writing an article for a website or a magazine or a newspaper. You, you could speak to somebody for 45 minutes, but sometimes you're only using a couple of minutes of what they said. There are right. some things that people will never know. And the thing is, I put every, I put like 99% of the quotes into that book. Yeah. So so it's like, I'm not special anymore. All of the stuff that I thought that I was cool for knowing that nobody else knew is in the book. Well, but like like that professor said, you hope to... Down the road, you're you're becoming more known for that. The fact sure, that you sure. got the information. But then I just said to myself, like the the only way that I can continue to make myself cool and special is to go out and do this some more. And like right. my ultimate goal is to do like four or five books, like thirty five to forty games every book. Yeah. And then and then say, you know what? This is what we're gonna do. We're gonna get all the Genesis games, and we're gonna make just a Genesis book. So we're gonna get all of the chapters that are based on Genesis games, put them in one book. And then I'm going to go out and I'm going to do like five or ten more Genesis games to make it like even more special. And then it'll be just a Genesis book. Well, you should. And then, mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say you should start with the oldest ones first so those people don't uh, don't sure. disappear right <laughs> yeah. away. You're right. You're absolutely right. But then, you know, like that. then then I have all of this material. So then I'll be like, oh, you know, then, then I'll do a Super Nintendo book. Then I'll do a PlayStation book. Then I'll yeah. do an Atari 2600 book. So on and so on and so on and so on. So, I mean – this book just lit like this huge creative fire in me to the point where like, I want to, I want to continue I, in a perfect world. And I'm on that pace now. Um, I want to release a new book in this, in this series, like every two years. Wow. That's awesome. You know? and, and the thing is I can write, I can like, if, if I get all of my answers from my sources, I can write this book and have it finished in like, you know, six to eight months. You know, but then like, you know, the publishing industry works slower and stuff like that. Mm. So there's a lot of like, you know, mumbo jumbo and then they have to design a cover and do this and do that. But it's like if I really hunker down like the first book I wrote in six months and like this book, like I just finished the first chapter and I'm waiting on answers. I have answers from like 15 out of the 37 I think I have so far. So like almost half. But I can write that stuff in a couple of months. Like if I really hunker down on the bus, on the train, when my daughter goes to sleep in between my classes, things <laughs> like that. But that's what I want because yeah. I, I I know that people are hungry for this. And it's like the, the rush that I get when somebody buys my book. Like, again, Mark Flitman, the producer for Matt, uh, not for Madden, for uh, Blitz 2002 and Maximum Carnage. Like he sent me the answers on Sunday night. It was like 1145 at night. And he's like uh, – yeah, I want to buy your book. How do I do it? <laughs> hey, and uh, speaking of that, uh, Patrick, uh, how can our yeah. uh, listeners, uh, you know, look into your book? Yeah, um, so it's available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Barnes and Noble. You hear me? Barnes and Noble, <laughs> Target, Walmart, um, Booktopia. Like it's it's 
it's available wherever fine books are sold. Awesome. But also too, this is my favorite part of, of like the interview. I love to tell people this. Like um you can go to patrickhickeyjr.com and there's a link that says the minds behind the games and you can buy the book directly through me. Okay? And what that does is um that allows me to autograph your book for you before you get it, write something nice and throw in a couple of bookmarks, but also the journalist that I am, um you're gonna mm-hmm. you're gonna send me like your shipping address because I have to ship the book out. So what sure. I'm gonna do is I'm gonna be like, oh, you're from Pittsburgh. All right, this is what I'm gonna do, and I'm gonna go into my man cave and I'm gonna find some Pittsburgh Pirates baseball cards or like a Pittsburgh Penguin sticker or something like that, and I'm gonna like make your book like super special. That's you cool. know, like I'm gonna put That's something awesome. super cool in there just so like I have the connection with you and you remember like the day you got my book and you remember like the things that I wrote in there and stuff like that. That's what I'm about. I'm about like creating a connection like with my readers. I've gone to book signings before where it's like, all right, I signed it. Keep going next, next, next. And that's, that's not the type of author that I want to be. So if you order through me, um, I'll send you an email and I'll be like, thank you so much. Blah, 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 blah. Do you have any like favorite sports teams or anything? Is there anything that you're into? Blah, blah, blah. And I'll sneak something cool like in your book just to get to know you, you know? So that's, that's, that's probably the, the coolest way to buy my book is like directly through me, Patrick Hickey Jr. Dot com. No, that's awesome. And uh, Patrick, you had said before that, uh, you know, you didn't feel special anymore, but I want you to know that you have a deep connection with everybody reading your book on the toilet as they <laughs> sit there reading away uh, to find out more about these old uh, classic video games and stuff. And uh, it's it's definitely awesome what you're doing. And you're uh, you're really doing, uh, uh, you know, wonders for the, the video game community by, uh, you know, chronicling this stuff and continuing to uh, continuing to chronicle it. You know, it definitely it means a lot to me and chops that, you know, you're out there doing that kind of stuff and uh it's it's great to uh chat with someone who has such a passion for for video games and and in your case also journalism and you know trying to preserve that history so much man it means a lot coming from you guys i had a blast uh just sharing my story with you guys no it was great i I feel like i could just keep talking but uh Obviously, I, we can't. But, uh, <laughs> but we'll, we'll have to have you on again when when your next book comes out or another different kind of project maybe that you're working on. But um, yeah, thank you so much for being on today's episode. Um, well, I look forward to just continually reading your book. And um, yeah, thank thanks a whole bunch. Yeah, it's yeah, no, a lot that you're no on. Pro- no problem, guys. The only other thing that I want to say is that like word of mouth is still the best form of social media. So if you have read the book. If you go on Goodreads, if you go on Amazon, write a review. I don't care if you give it one star. I don't care if you give it five. Just give me something that I can take that I can make this next book better. Um, Discord is a great place uh, Mm -hmm. to go to to get in contact with me. I'm on Discord. I'm also on Instagram, Patrick Hickey Jr. I'm on Twitter, uh, Review Fix. Uh, On Facebook, you can Facebook friend me and talk to me about games and stuff like that. I'm super accessible. But like I said, if you've read the book and you haven't shared your voice yet, please do. It helps me. It helps every like young author. You need those reviews on Amazon, on Goodreads and stuff. Word of mouth. Take a picture of yourself with the book. Send it to me. I will tell the world how awesome you are. Like that's the thing. I want to establish a relationship with all of my readers. And the only way I can do that is know that you exist. So let me know that you exist. 
You heard it, everybody listening to this episode. Do it or else. Or else. <laughs> or else. Do so, it or else. I'll find you. <laughs> so, so that leads me to my next thing. Before we end, so we uh, usually sign off every episode with the phrase, the legend continues. I would mm-hmm. love to hear it in your, your Padre voice. So if, if you, if you could, could do me a favor and end the episode with the legend continues and then I, I would be giddy. So we'll see you all next time. When, when the, the legend, legend continues. continues. Oh gosh, that was that got me shivers. <laughs> <laughs>